Well, good afternoon, Lake Norman, and welcome to Town Talk. We're coming to you live from WSIC, the real talk studio, nestled on the banks of beautiful Lake Norman, streaming worldwide from the Hagen Holland to Cope, South Carolina, population 37 people. Now, that is assuming Brenda didn't have her baby. I'm your host, Bill Russell, president of Lake Norman Chamber of Commerce, the largest chamber of commerce in the Charlotte region. This is a program where we discuss topics that are impacting your family, your friends, your neighbors, your businesses, from my neighborhood to yours. My three guests today are Bailey Siegler. He is a financial advisor with Premier Planning Group. Leah Trowbridge, who is an attorney with the McIntosh Law Firm. And Charles Knox, Jr., who is the president of the Knox Group Incorporated. But before we get to that, Bill, my producer's in there. Bill, it's down to two. In the World Series, you got the Texas Rangers and the Arizona Diamondbacks. Any dogs in that fight? Uh, I mean, I guess I have to lean towards the Rangers because they threw off my Orioles' magical run. Uh, but exciting, exciting World Series. I did not expect either of these teams. Well, I'm, I'm a Yankees fan and a Braves fan, and neither one of them got there, although the Braves had a pretty good year. Yeah. Bailey, are you a baseball fan? Unfortunately, I'm not. I know Charles is. Charles Charles actually was a pitcher for Davidson College. I don't know if y'all knew that. Uh, do you do you uh, you got somebody you're looking at in the World Series, Charles? Well, I'd have to say I'm probably a Ranger leaning fan, only because, like you, I'm a I'm a Yankee fan. I'm an American <laughs> League fan. I was pulling for the Orioles, and I think the whole thing about the uh, playoffs really hurt the Braves and hurt. The, the teams that did the best during the season, they had time off, and that's that's not good in baseball. It's good in every other sport, but in baseball, time off is, is bad. Why were you a Yankees fan? Um, I grew up in the era of Ron Guidry, Catfish Hunter, um, those guys, but then I also had the opportunity in college to play for the Ithaca Yankees in Ithaca, New York, which oh, really? is actually not an affiliate of the New York Yankees, <laughs> um, but it was in New York, and I did wear a Yankees uniform, so I still have a, an affinity for that. I was a college league up there. So. Daddy loved the Yankees. Uh, he, 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 he would read his books and, and watch the Yankees and carry on a conversation, but knew exactly what was going on. Leah, are you a baseball fan at all? Uh, only because my boys are Braves fans, because they went to school in Chattanooga at the Macaulay School, and they used to go down to Atlanta to watch the game. So we have a few signs and pennants and stuff up in our house for the Braves. Oh, that's a beautiful stadium. Mm-hmm. we got a beautiful stadium right here in, in Charlotte. I like uh, minor league, I was going to yeah. say. I've, I've enjoyed Knights games, and then I grew up in uh, Raleigh, and I remember my high school was totally out when they were looking for extras when they were filming Bull Durham. Ooh. Nobody was at school. Everybody had driven to Durham to be in the stands and be extras. A lot of people know I'm a South Carolina fan, and, and I've taken Charles down many times to watch Davidson in South Carolina, and there's been a few times that <laughs> Davidson looked pretty strong down there and scared me. But uh, anyway, and then I've uh, Charles has accompanied uh, some of the times that UNC played South Carolina a couple times. Uh, we didn't do very well that particular game, but Charles was pretty happy about it. Yeah, my dad's a Chapel Hill grad, so yeah. When we, when we say Carolina, we know which one we're really talking about. <laughs> oh, <don't we>? Thank <laughs> you, yes. Bailey, we're going to talk about your financial investment business, but I want to first talk, you, you were the chairman of the young, the president of the Young Professionals, um, but for those of you listening that don't know what is our Young Professionals, share, what, what is the Lake Norman Chamber's Young Professionals? Sure, so it's a group uh, for young professionals that are either a member of the chamber or would potentially want to be a member in the future, and it's for folks 21 to 39-ish, I like to say, because I don't check IDs on the uh, on the way into the door. You know, we want everyone to feel welcome. Some of our most loyal people who come to our meetings may be in their 40s or 50s, and we're still okay with that. We want it to be younger focused, but that's not a crucial uh, element. When do you meet and where usually? Yeah, sure. So we meet the second Tuesday of every month at the uh, 11 Lakes Brewing, and that's at 6 p.m. And then we have a rotating social that we do on the fourth Thursday. Off the we, clock. That's what yeah, it's that's the off, off the, the clock. clock. Yeah. And uh, and that's at 6 p.m. And that's actually tomorrow evening at 6 p.m. at Bin 110. And it's not just networking. You guys put on professional development programs for men and women. But mm-hmm. what are some of the professional development programs that you put on? Yeah, so we've done some that are public speaking, um, you know, Excel workshops, Word workshops, that kind of thing. And then sometimes we get a little bit loose with the term professional. Professional, and uh, and we'll have uh, you know a wine tasting. I believe Leah's, Leah's come to one of our wine tastings um, at Macintosh Law Firm. And nobody uh, checked my ID. No Thank one you. Your ID. <laughs> 
uh, you know, we really enjoy, you know, having everybody out, having fun um, events that you know, really integrate the community. We had Mariana from Davidson Inn who did the, the wine tasting for us. We had a local uh, vintner from Charlotte uh, bring his wine in. So we try and keep everything really local and really tight. And you do philanthropy as well. You give back to the community. And last week you guys had a major program. I think this was the second or, or third. The fourth year. Fourth year. Yeah, fourth Share year. Share what you did last week because that was phenomenal. Sure. So we had a putt-putt tournament um, at Frankie's in Huntersville. And they've been gracious enough to be the host for three years. And uh, and we raised about $5,500 for Pat's Place. Mm-hmm. What is Pat's Place? It's a great question. So the work they do is incredible. And they are the only child advocacy center in Charlotte, Charlotte, Mecklenburg. So they reach from up here at the lake all the way to South Charlotte. So that's a very large reach. And essentially, if uh, there's been some sort of domestic crime that a child has been a witness to or been involved in, they t- kind of take them from beginning to end. So they have forensic interviewers um, so that the child only really has to go through that trauma one time. And they, they say that they were able to help about 40 families or 40 chi- children here in the Lake Norman area, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's about two classrooms full that they did up here at the Lake Norman area. So that was that was great. We're really happy to be able to help them out. How long have you been in the Young Professionals? Since 2015, I believe. Okay, okay. And and how did how and why did you get involved? Sure. So my employer at the time was a chamber member, and they wanted me to get involved in the chamber. I was like, great. So I showed up at my first networking event. I didn't know a soul, and so I was like. <laughs> Okay, this is this is definitely going to be a challenge to to walk through this and and become a chamber member, and then somebody mentioned to me the young professionals. I was like, okay, that sounds a little a little more a little smaller bite to take. So I went to the first young professionals meeting, and it was full of people my age, and I was able to connect with them. So then whenever I went to the next you know after hours or whatever it was that I went as a chamber networking event. It was a whole lot easier because I knew a couple of people, so it was definitely it was definitely easier to be able to kind of make that step into the chamber, having known a few people that were my own age, and I was able to connect with them. And then, just like any networking, you connect with who all they know. We got just over a minute probably before we go to a break, but you want to tell me a little bit about premier planning. Sure. So we're a uh, financial advising group. Um, Our office is technically based out of Hickory, um, but I work in Mooresville. So I work, you know, the Lake Norman area, as well as uh, I have some business in Hickory as well. Um, And then we do pretty much everything that most financial advisors do. We do wealth management, retirement, and life insurance. Uh, We have a lot of financial investors in the Lake Norman region. Why should they come and see Bailey Siegler? Um, well, that's a great question. You know, everyone has their own spin on things. I like to think that I have a, uh, a younger look, a younger outlook <laughs> on things. <laughs> uh, and, you know, we're... You got a younger oh, outlook. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have a younger outlook and, uh, and are just able to kind of take a different approach. Well, Bailey, when we get back, we're going to talk about your perception of Chamber of Commerce, but we also want to talk about to Leah Trowbridge about state planning mm-hmm. and Charles Knox on commercial real estate and some of the things going on in our area. So those of you who are on the radio still come back with us on Town Talk on WSIC. Uh, we'll be right back. Those of you who are streaming with us, uh, glad you're back. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit more about Chamber of Commerce activities. Leah, were you familiar with Pat's Place? No. Um, and what an extraordinary program. And I'm sure 40 children is a horrifying mm. number in and of itself. But to think that there were children not being served like that, that's that's a reason to keep supporting them. So I think that's fabulous. And this year you raised $5,500, and I think yeah. uh, you almost doubled the number of people playing in the tournament, right? Correct. Yeah, we ended up with 17 teams playing, um, and I think last year we were around 12. What did you raise last year? Last year, I, I believe we raised about $3,400. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah so yeah. so it was a big increase, um, and we just had a, a ton of partners that came on board uh, this year that really boosted us over the, the limit. Um, for Charles and, and Leah's benefit, what are some of the other programs that you've run 
uh, in terms of, uh, I know you've worked at Ada Jenkins Center mm -hmm. and some other things. Share some of the, because Charles is a past board chair of the Chamber of Commerce. Sure. Uh, what are some of the things that you guys have done in terms of giving back to the community? Yeah, so it's it's one of our key pillars is to have that philanthropy aspect. And um, so, like Bill said, Ada Jenkins Center is always big for us. Um, we do the uh, Big Day at the Lake we always help out with that. We help, you know, man their, whether it's their ice cream or scooping that they do and they give out to all the kids or, you know, grilling hamburgers, whatever that is. So we always try to help out with that one. Uh, we do our putt-putt tournament, and then we also uh, do a food drive for angels and sparrows. So the way we always, we always consider ourselves is we're not the group that's going to write a large check, but we have manpower. Right. So that's why we can help out Ada Jenkins Center and Big Day at the Lake and then and then do our food drive for Angels and Sparrows. And speaking of putting, we have our own chamber golf tournament is, is coming Monday. It's going to be at Northstone Country Club. Uh, that's going to be uh, Monday, October 30th. Uh, we still have about three or four uh, for some openings. So if you're somebody that wants to play golf, provided you call Leslie before Friday, uh, and uh, assuming we're not already at 120 by that time, we'd love to have you involved in the Chambers Golf Tournament. We are done with the candidate forums. We had a forum in Cornelius and two forums in Huntersville. All of those forums are on YouTube. So if you go to uh, Google and you look up WSIC and, and uh, Huntersville Forum or Cornelius Forum, um, those forums are hosted on YouTube. Uh, we've had a lot of people already looking. We're still having people calling the Chamber of Commerce and saying, how do, how do you view that? Um, and you want to say, do you, do you know what Google is? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's available. Uh, Leah, you're a uh, Davidson resident. We have a meet and greet in Davidson, October 30th as well, 537 Davidson Village Inn. I am registered. Yep. For those of you uh, streaming with us, we'll be by, right back on air in about five seconds. <laughs> Welcome back to Town Talk. I'm your host, Bill Russell. I have Charles Knox, Jr., the president of the Knox Group, Leah Trowbridge, who is an attorney with the McIntosh Law Firm, and Bailey Sigler, who is the president of our Young Professionals. I'm going to switch gears. And, and Leah, uh, you're an attorney uh, with the McIntosh Law Firm. Most of us in the Cornelius Davidson, Huntersville, Lake Norman market know what the firm is. But for those of you who may not, uh, what is the firm and what kind of practices do y'all have? Okay, well, in 30 seconds or less, because that's a mouthful, <laughs> because we've been around for a while. We are actually um, celebrating our 25th anniversary this year. Bob founded the firm in 1997. I went to work for him in 1998. Um, I took a bit of a detour for a while around Mecklenburg County and came back about three years ago. Um, so I'm very familiar with the consistent concept that Bob has always supported the community and Tying into something that Bailey uh, talked about with the young professionals, always having a sense of philanthropy, be, philanthropy being a part of what they want to work for in their professional and public lives, because we also hear about um, the younger generation, because while I have crashed the wine stuff and everything, I haven't been under 40 for a while, let's say. Um, I also know that um, younger folks, when I'm doing their estate planning, they want to they wanna know that philanthropy is part of their estate planning, part of their investing strategy. Um, and so the McIntosh Law Firm uh, has, has always lived that as a law firm and um, supported each of our attorneys in exploring how each of us can participate in philanthropy and get involved in the community, whether it's volunteering or giving. It's not about the dollars. Um, there's a lot of effort that can go a long way towards the Ada Jenkins Center or whatever needs to happen in the community. Um, and you see the McIntosh Law Firm's name all over everything because Bob digs deep. Mm -hmm. Leah, you're in estate planning as an attorney. And you know what surprises me is the people who are <clears throat> my, <clears throat> excuse me, might be my age in their 50s or 60s and they don't have a will. Mm -hmm. um, it, that's just shocking to me. But explain, when, when, when should somebody be looking at estate planning? When you're 18. <laughs> um, when you have children. Um, those are two key times that people miss. So we often speak at high school groups and other kind of young, young professional um, college groups or young professional type groups because from a parent's perspective, when your child turns 18, they're an adult. If they don't at least have their powers of attorney in place, durable, um, that relates to finances and healthcare that relates to healthcare, um, 
if they're in a car accident, if they're in some kind of mental health treatment, if they need you for some reason and aren't able to articulate that, um, they're adults. If you don't have those forms in place, there's the potential for you to need to go down to the clerk's office and file for guardianship, which nobody wants to do. And you just threw out some magic words. So what is a power of attorney? So a power of attorney simply is you um, telling the court, telling the world, telling the bank, telling the hospital um, who you are giving the right to speak for you if needed. You're naming an agent. So mm -hmm. it can be a parent, a spouse, if you're an adult and you have adult children who at this point may make sense to name for you. Um, most of these documents are about taking control of what is probably going to happen. Obviously, death and taxes are coming for us all. Um, but we also know statistically that more of us, we're all living longer, and the majority of us will have periods, sometimes significant, of incapacity, whether it's dementia or you're on a ventilator for a couple months. Um, and so these documents... If we don't have them in place, the state will step in and make the decisions for us. Right. And so if you're, if you're 18 and older, you want to make sure that somebody can show up and immediately do what needs to be done. You want that as a parent and you want that as an adult. And then as far as, um, you know, I mean, I think I've said it generally as it applies to everybody. But again, particularly <laughs> circling back around to the idea of parents, when you're walking out of that hospital with a new baby... Um, the laws of intestacy, um, intestacy meaning you don't have a will, is not what most people would imagine. If you have a surviving spouse and you have children or living parents, if you don't have a will and something happens to you, the state will split your estate up. It doesn't all go to the surviving spouse. And there's the potential minors can't inherit in North Carolina or really any jurisdiction in the country. So again, the court would have to step in and create accounts and require accountings, and then your children just get whatever their share is, depending on the number of children mm -hmm. and surviving spouse. Uh, they would automatically get it when they turn 18, which is also not something most of us want to see, is any 18-year-old right. getting any amount of money in their, in their hands outright. So the, it's, it's, uh, it's necessary for everybody. It's easy to do. I don't think of it... Um, as anything other than uh, taking control of your life and making sure, sure that where you have the opportunity to speak for yourself, you do so. You know, a word that we hear a lot is trust. So what, what is the difference between a trust and a will? Um, that's another, you know, I taught at the law school level at one point, and you're asking me like whole semesters <laughs> worth of, so how to boil it down. There's a lot of chatter um, about trust, revocable living trust. There's a lot of I have a lot of folks come in and say, my neighbor just got a trust. My parents think we need trusts. Talk to a good estate planning attorney for one. But the, the short answer is, it's, well, it depends, right? So a trust can provide a lot of opportunities as a management vehicle for you to better secure your assets at times of incapacity and death. There is the potential to provide asset protection um, while you're alive, especially there are opportunities to provide asset protection to your children, depending on how you design the trust. And then it can ease the transition periods, mm -hmm. you know, because all of this is about the reason people avoid all of these documents is because we're usually healthy, happy, and ah, we can wait till tomorrow. Um, the, the point is, get them done sooner than later, have them. And you can always update them. And the trust aspect, again, so many levels of complexity, so many different kinds of trusts. Um, but the trust, again, getting back to parents, it can really allow you to creatively secure your children's futures. Right. And all of it is amendable over time. Leah, you, you opened the door to something else I wanted to ask is, is what qualification should someone look for in an attorney? I mean, other than going to UNC Law School in Chapel Hill, <laughs> uh, what are the qualifications you should really look for in a good, good estate planner? There are um, specialists in North Carolina um, in different areas of estate planning. S certainly experience helps. 
people can be members of our estate planning, which I am the estate planning division of the bar where I am able to get focused, ongoing, continuing education. A lot of lawyers uh, incorporate estate planning into very vast other kinds of practices that they practice. Um, so sometimes they're not necessarily putting the level of attention into their estate planning because they have 10 different kinds of law that they practice. So my personal preference, uh, my personal recommendation would be to find someone because there are, there are plenty of us out there and you need to, I, I say, you know, people need to feel comfortable with their doctors, with their lawyers. You, you can find the right fit. You need to find somebody that you're comfortable with because hopefully it's someone that you'll go back to in 10 years and 15 years when you need to update your estate plan or just have questions along the way. Which is not to say that you ne necessarily have to have a really young attorney. Those of us that have been around for mm -hmm. a while, I'll be around in 10 years if you have a question. But having somebody with experience who, who basically focuses their practice on it. I also do business, some small business work and business succession planning because mm -hmm. that's an inevitable overlap. <laughs> so, um, but to the extent that it's complementary, um, you know, you can have a dynamic practice, but again... Uh, focusing on real, est uh, real estate. That's Charles. Because I do a little bit of real estate, too, because that ends up coming into play with trusts and everything else. Um, having having somebody that focuses on estate planning, I think, is a good idea. Uh, we have a tight economy, so um, I've got a question. Do you um, do you bill by the hours a flat rate? Um, how, do, how do you do your estate planning? So most of our, most of our packages are available as a flat rate. And I would not be a good salesman, but I can 100% sell the services that we offer because all I can show you is, again, one hearing to have to go and, and get guardianship of a loved one. Um, the headache that going through an intestate probate process is where inevitably you end up having to pay us hourly because we're cleaning up what wasn't prepared for to begin with. Uh, our flat fees are very reasonable. We're not the cheapest on the block, but we're bringing a lot of experience and a lot of relaxed, focused, loyal attention to every client that we sit with. You brought up another word, probate. Just explain, what is probate? There's another one. That's a whole class, Bill. <laughs> Good grief. Okay. So that is the public process of going through someone's estate after they pass. And it is either an intestate probate process because they died without a will, or you probate the will and just follow those instructions. So it's designed, trust can help you avoid probate, but probate in and of itself is designed to make sure that the state knows where all of its real property is and where it's going. It's designed to protect that, that passing of title to things so that it's designed to make sure the state know, wants to know that you are paying your taxes, paying your funeral bills, paying your medical bills. Uncle Sam's going to find you one way or another. So it's really simply, it's the state's way of making sure that everything goes the way it should. You've been listening to Leah Trowbridge. She's an attorney with the McIntosh Law Firm. We're going to go to a break with our sponsors. Please stay with us on Town Talk on WSIC. Very good. For our partners that are streaming out with us on X, and it's not Twitter anymore, Bailey's, it's X. It's oh, definitely yeah. X. It's, it's X, yes, yes. You don't send out tweets anymore, you X. I guess. <laughs> I wasn't uh, on Twitter, so I don't have to be on X. <laughs> LinkedIn, we've got Facebook, we've got all the social Instagram. media. Instagram, YouTube, it's all out there. We got, we're back on YouTube. We're excited to be back on YouTube. But those of you who are streaming with us, we're talking to Leah Trowbridge. Uh, one other legal question. Uh, we're off the air now in terms of the listeners, but you create a will in North Carolina. Is it any good in South Carolina, Florida, Wyoming? Right. So our Constitution's full faith and credit clause says that every state is supposed to honor another state's validly executed agreements, contracts, things like that. And a, and a will is a, a contract of a sort. 
good deal? And so absolutely, technically, sure, it's good everywhere. But what I tell people is if you're going to, if you're moving and it's, you think it's either your last move or it's for a significant amount of time. Again, these documents are about bumps in the road. You don't want there to be any issue if if you're in Florida and you've got Missouri documents, you don't want anybody having to figure out what Missouri statute lets you do and not do according to the rules in Florida. So usually it's not necessary, but it's smart. And again, it's it's worth it to go ahead and get get documents for where you're probably going to need them. Yeah. Um, Bailey, the young professionals aren't the only ones that are active. The Lake Norman Chamber of Commerce, we have a lot of things going on. And next Wednesday, November the 1st, I hope you can attend 5 o'clock to 7 o'clock, Carolina Neurosurgery and Spine Associates, a uh, longtime Chamber of Commerce member, is moving from their uh, Park Huntersville location to 10314 Hamptons Park Drive in Huntersville. So, uh, again, got a little bit of a change. You're going to be moving over. Uh, and celebrating their new offices. So if you have a chance, five or seven next week, join us for that ribbon cutting and a bit of a chamber mixer. Also, then the next day, Thursday, November the 2nd, we're having our coffee connection. So join us for coffee, 8.30 to 10 in the morning, casual networking event. It's going to be at Physical Balance in Huntersville. Kayla Christie will be out. She's going to be our host, and we're going to have some light breakfast and coffee and, of course, some, some connections. Friday, November the 3rd, is another ribbon cutting. We're opening up a lot of businesses. So Allergy Partners of Cornelius at 20808 North Main Street, Suite 102 in Cornelius. So uh, again, a lot of Chamber of Commerce activities, a lot of things going on for our streaming partners. Please join us if you can, and we're going to go live in just a second. Welcome back to Town Talk. I'm your host, Bill Russell. I have Bailey Sigler, who is the president of the Lake Norman Young Professionals and doing really good. It's, we're coming up on 10 years. We're about two years away. From, yeah. Yeah. We still have some of our original members. Yep. That's going to that's be a fun time. Leah Trowbridge, an attorney with the McIntosh Law Firm, who was just talking to us about estate planning, and Charles Knox, Jr., president of Knox, uh, Knox Group, Incorporated. And Charles is a former board chair. He was the Y2K chair when Leah, everything was supposed to stop. We had, we had seminar after seminar programs at Rotary. How on you know twelve oh one, on on two thousand, just everything was just going to stop, and and it didn't. It didn't. <laughs> Charles, you started the firm with your father in nineteen ninety one. Yeah, it's been a long time. It doesn't seem like it. Time goes fast. For the folks who don't know what the Knox Group does, uh, uh, your your commercial real estate, but but share some of the things that you're involved in and some of the partners that you have there. Um, well, the company sort of I call it has three legs to the stool. Um, we do development work. Um, we're a third party broker, so we help folks find office space or land to invest in or investment property or um, industrial buildings, retail, that type of thing. Um, and then we also have property management. So we manage our own portfolio of properties here in the in the region. And then we also do third-party property management. We don't do houses or apartments. We're just in the office and industrial and mixed-use arenas. Um, much to Leah's point, you can try to be an expert at everything, and sometimes you get you get a little bit lost. We're more what I call a geographically niched company. I bet 75 to 80% of our business is north of Charlotte, although we... We've built office buildings in Indian Land, South Carolina. We've sold car dealerships in Atlanta, Georgia. But the lion's share of our business is here. Um, things we're working on that people may have know about or have seen, um, we were involved in um, Burkdale Village, Burkdale. Um, we were involved in North 77 Business Park, which is a 128-acre industrial park on Bailey Road, where 11 lakes, or close to 11 lakes, actually 11 lakes is an adjacent industrial deal. Um, but uh, if you're a brewery fan, D9 and Ass Clown are in that development. Um, we've done buildings in Davidson. Um, folks might recognize Carburitos. There's two buildings right there. And we actually are having our own, um, not a ribbon cutting, but a groundbreaking on the 14th of November. We're doing a new mixed-use project, um, which we actually bought the land from Bob McIntosh. Uh, well, technically, Bob sold it to Story Hill Church, um, and so we're developing it with the church. We're doing the commercial building in the front, and the church is putting their new sanctuary in the back. 
And that's, for those of you who don't recognize the name Story Hill, um, it was Lake Forest Davidson Campus, and they've um, renamed the, the congregation. So. And you have two cousins involved with you? Uh, in Not the group. just two. <laughs> <laughs> um, we joke that it's a family business. There are actually 10 of us in the business, and five of us are Knoxes, um, and which is which is a ratio of 50-50, and that's the lowest it's been since I started the company when we were 100%. But, um, yeah, Gary Knox, who's many of you know was mayor of Cornelius, um, his brother Steve Knox, um, who's been my partner since 1995. My wife is in the business, um, Violet Knox, who's actually married to a cousin, is in the business. But, yeah, we have quite a quite a family history in the area. Our family history goes back in the real estate world to, I think it's our great uncle built several of the buildings on Main Street in Davidson. So we have sort of an affinity for place making. Mm-hmm. It sort of runs deep in the family. Any residential? Um, we've done some. Uh, Violet, who I mentioned, she's a residential agent. Um, we've developed um, a couple of residential projects, Silver Quay, which is a 20-unit, excuse me, a 60-unit townhome development on Lake Norman off of West Catawba. Um, we built 25 patio homes on the golf course at Burkdale. Um, but in general, um, we, um, <laughs> I love doing the residential. It's fun. It's creative. I decided I can make more money doing the commercial where it's a little simpler. Um, there's a lot less emotion for a, for a client to come in and decide they like the office space but don't like the paint color and we can paint it as opposed to trying to sell a house and someone doesn't like the cabinets and you'd think the world was ending. So, <laughs> Charles, as a developer, uh, do you think we've got a good mix of, of retail, office, and industrial here in Lake Norman? Um, in general, I do. I think, you know, every community wants to balance their tax base. And I know we've had lots of discussions over the years about um, towns having too much residential tax base. For, and you want to have sort of a 70-30 split as sort of the rule of thumb. Cornelius is a good example of how we, we're probably 80 or 85 percent. But the reason in Cornelius we're like that is because we have so many lakefront houses and our, our average residential price and our average annual tax bill for the residents is skewed. Um, I think we could use more space. If you look at what's available right now, um, real estate's coming out of COVID. I don't want to I could talk just like you could, like I could teach a class probably on it, although I'm not certified to do that. But um, coming out of COVID, the real estate world really has changed. And um, if you look at office, for example, and there's so many more people working from home, the overall vacancy in office is about 20% in Charlotte. But if you look at the vacancy in Lake Norman, it's about 5% or less. Um, as a matter of fact, I think it's like um, yeah, right around 5. Last thing I saw was 5.9%. And you know, we're a market of smaller tenants, smaller businesses. Um, there's two different worlds going on in the office market. And the big companies, the ones in the big buildings uptown or in the big suburban markets like the university area or down off of um, Ballantyne, those big floor plates people have moved out of. But go try to find 2,000 square feet of really nice space around here, and it's a challenge. Um, uh, as, as a developer yourself, what market segment are we, we most lacking? Is it, is it office? Is it industrial? What? Um, I would say probably um, right now we have a shortage of office and a shortage of industrial space in the, in the Lake Norman market. Now, we're adding some new buildings. Um, some buildings are coming out of the ground on Bailey Road industrially. Um, and there's several bigger projects up in the Mooresville to Troutman and above area. Those are, <clears throat> excuse me, um, big industrial buildings, 100, 200, 700, 800,000 square foot buildings. Where we don't have a lot of is buildings where you've got a tenant need of 2,500 square feet or 5,000 square feet. Um, you know, During COVID, for the first time in my 35-year career, we had no industrial space available in anything that we had anything to do with, whether it was our space or space for any of our clients. It was just full. And uh, so the industrial market, I think we're at like a 1.9% vacancy locally. And that's, they say a healthy market is 5% because it allows businesses to grow or to move here. If you're an industrial business, it's, you're, you're almost out of luck mm-hmm. until some of this new space comes online. And that's going to be a challenge with cons- the other thing, the headwinds against us right now is that construction costs have gone up substantially. Um, they'll use the Davidson project as an example. The site development costs for us from the time we started looking at this 18 months ago have gone up 
probably 60%. Um, and it's, it's tough. Plus, we have the interest rates going up, and that's making it even more challenging. Leah brought up some terms a while ago, and, and I put her on the spot and made her explain them. So I got a couple of terms that oftentimes are brought up in the commercial real estate business, CAM charges and cap rates. Can you explain what is a CAM charge and what's a cap rate? Yep, I can explain both. So a CAM, CAM is short for Common Area Maintenance. Um, some pl- some people also use the term TICAM. Um, that's Taxes, Insurance, and Common Area Maintenance. Um, that, for me, is a little bit of a new term because I grew up in the real estate world in the 80s, and we just called it CAM, and taxes and insurance were all part of it. But it's basically the expense rent that a tenant would pay in addition to their base rent. So if they move into an industrial building or a retail building, um, those leases are typically set up as a net lease type of structure, which means you pay X dollars a square foot in your base rent, and then you have expense rent. And then basically CAM is expense rent. So you're basically paying for the right to use the building. Cap rates are totally different, and I've had some people confuse those over the years, even though they have nothing to do with each other. Um, A cap rate is the investment return that an investor would expect to make on a certain property. So to give you some different examples, um, if you had a Chick-fil-A, which in all likelihood is going to be there forever, and you could invest in that Chick-fil-A and ha- know that you had a steady st- stream of income, you might be willing to take a 5 or 6 or 7% return on investment. If you were buying an empty building where you had to come in and put new tenants in it or you got a tenant there but there is only a year left and it's Uncle Bob's pancake shop and you don't think they have any credit, you're going to want a much better better return on your investment than 5 or 6%. So the way they calculate that is they look at what the net operating income is on the property. So let's assume a property in, in, generates $100,000 a year in rent after the CAM expense. All the expenses are paid, all your taxes, et cetera, are paid and you want to get a 10% return on that investment, then you'll pay a million dollars for that investment. That's the easiest way to do the math. If you want a lower return, it's, it's a little bit um, counterintuitive because the lower the cap rate, the higher the price. Hope that explained that. Charles, I'm going to put you on the spot now. We've got about two minutes. Uh, you, you, you've been a developer here now for 30 years or so. Um, is North Mecklenburg, Cornelius and Davis and Hunters Wood, you consider it uh, business friendly in terms of a developer trying to get something done? Um, reasonably business friendly. I mean, I haven't, um, I, my first five years in real estate were in Southern California, which were much more difficult than this. I will say it's tougher today to do business than it was 25 years ago here. And that, in large part, is because we have a lot more people here and traffic's more intense and schools have more pressure. Um, and I think it's you know, incumbent upon the towns to try to manage that growth in an effective way. And, and sometimes we feel like they're not being very proactive and raking us over the coals. And, uh, you know, it's a, ch- a quick example. I have DOT tell me that we don't need to put trees in front of a project and the town tell me I have to put trees in front of the project. How do you answer the two authorities who both have control? So, Well, um, we've appreciated it. When we get back, we want, I want to talk to you about some transportation issues because uh, you, uh, you pretty much uh, were involved with the Highway 73 Council planning and been very involved in our transportation over the years from the Chamber of Commerce perspective. And I want to get your take on, on transportation as well. Uh, for those of you with us on the radio, we're going to go to a break and honor our sponsors, and we'll be right back on WSIC Town Talk. Come back and listen to us. You know, Charles, uh, one of the things that one of the first things that I did, Bailey, when I got here was uh, Charles and I and, and Scott Lawrence, who was my first chamber chair in 1996, we went up to Raleigh to meet with Senator Fountain Odom and um, got up to Raleigh and Senator Odom. They were pushing through. Charlotte wanted to do an annexation uh, legislation. Now, the, uh, the, the three North Mecklenburg towns were against the changes to the annexation, and Charlotte was trying to move it. Senator Odom was the sponsor of the bill, so we went up there uh, on behalf of the towns who said, we really need y'all to put a kibosh on this annexation. So we get up there, and, and Fountain kicks his feet back on his desk and pops open his humidor and pulls out and clips a cigar. And he said, uh, son, or um, smoke bother you? And I'm going, no, sir, but I didn't think you were going to light that up in here. 
And uh, Fountain Odom said, uh, son, this is Raleigh. <laughs> and it was built on tobacco. So he clips, and of course, he gives each of us a cigar. And we, we talked about why we were opposed to the annexation. He said, well, um, boys, y'all do realize that I'm a sponsor of that bill. And we said, yeah, we, we know that you're a sponsor. And he just looked at us and says, well, don't worry. We've sent it to the Rules Committee. It's going to die. It ain't coming out. <laughs> so, I mean, here here is Fountain Odom telling us that, yes, he sponsored a bill, and then he sent it to a committee that's gonna gonna it's just gonna die a, an awful death and and um, that's business in Raleigh. Uh, that was my first exposure to politics in North Carolina. You remember that? Oh yeah, I remember that meeting. I didn't smoke the cigar because I hate those <laughs> things, but yeah, I do remember him putting putting his feet back up and explaining that to us and and thinking that is a strange world that we live in where he's he's out there promoting something, but in the back he's trying to figure out how to you know he, he really doesn't want it, but he needs to. To show it. So politics is a strange. I had another um, legislator whose name will be protected who told me that the only way to have any power now in Raleigh is to go out and raise a million dollars for other candidates. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm saddened that it's turned into that because I think it's, um, it's, I don't know, it's a, it's a different world we live in these days with money being way too important. You know, uh, and, and it really kind of started back in, in your tenure of the chamber being very aggressive in terms of representing the cha- representing our chamber members. Advocacy is a huge part of what we do. We we promote our, rep- our our members. We put on programs to service our members, and we represent our members. And so, oftentimes, you know, I'll, I'll go down to a town board meeting on a re- rezoning request or something along those lines. Uh, we're going back for our streaming family. We're going to go back live on the radio in about ten seconds. So uh, stay with us on Town Talk. Welcome back to Town Talk. I'm your host, Bill Russell. I have Bailey Sigler. He is the president of our Young Professional Group. Doing a great job, by the way, Bailey. Fantastic job. Leah Trowbridge, who is with the McIntosh Law Firm, an attorney. I was just talking about estate planning. And Charles Knox, Jr., the president of the Knox Group. Uh, and, and Charles, one of the things that the Chamber of Commerce did in 2008 was we created a foundation. So uh, we have a, uh, the, the Chamber is a 501c6, which is, again, we do advocacy. Uh, so we're not a, a charitable organization, but we created a charitable arm. So we have a foundation so it goes out and does um, work within the community. One of the things that we do is we work with North Mecklenburg High School and uh, on their booster club. Um, I don't know if, if you're even familiar. They'll take a, a car that might be a rundown 1965 Mustang that it just sitting sitting on the ground and just looking really bad, rusted out. And they will take that automobile, North Mecklenburg High School students, and they will work with it over a course of like five or six months and rebuild that completely and then raffle off the tickets to this beautiful 1965 vintage Mustang and make money. Well, the teachers can't hold the money. The students can't hold the money. The booster club can't hold the money. So they they give it to the Chamber of Commerce, to our foundation, that we hold it, and then we reinvest that back into the program. And that's what we've been doing since 2008. But um, last year, Charles, uh, we decided to also go into a philanthropy effort. Explain what the foundation did last year. So last year, we we recognized that the the foundation had been around for a while, but we really needed to take it to another level. And and again, to Bob McIntosh's credit, I think he deserves a a lot of the kudos for pushing this. Um, We saw an example in Charlotte that's been around for a long time called... um, Oh, good fellas. Good fellas. That's right. And um, it was a Christmas lunch that started, I think, in the 1920s. Um, and people would come together and they'd recognize how well they were blessed and that they would give back to those in the community less fortunate. Uh, I think last year, those good fellows and a sister organization, good um, gals, I think is what they call her, um, good ladies, I can't remember, but um, they raised well north of a million dollars. Um, our goal was to do a similar type of a breakfast event and to try to raise money for a local um, cause. And, and we did a, a search of, a, of different options for where that money could be spent. Um, we zeroed in on a program that the local Y has for after school and summer programs for um, kids who've got parents that need to be at, at jobs. And so um, 
we raised, I think, about tw- a little over $21,000. Right. Um, we'd hoped to get close to twenty five. We're a little short. Um, but um, that was the first year we'd done it. And um, we're looking at doing it again. I, unfortunately, we didn't pull it all together for Thanksgiving this year, but we're looking at potentially doing it in the first quarter of next year. Um, so we're, we're excited about what the opportunities are because we really are in a blessed region, you know, and we have the opportunity to give back and feel like there's a lot of people who can and, and will. Yeah, that, that philanthropy, Lake Norman YMCA uh, pre and after school program, um, child care. Well, Leah, why is child care so important to small business and, and businesses in Lake Norman? Right. The great thing about this uh, foundation effort is it really does directly relate to one of the foundational issues that small businesses have had in the region and everywhere. I mean, Charles spoke to um, building costs and how that's affected uh, the commercial real estate world. Well, we all know that that over during COVID, uh, essential workers, uh, what were they supposed to do with their kids because uh, daycare was closed down? And so we've opened up for the most part, but we're still seeing a real struggle for people to find, and again, that's been a constant issue, is trying to find reasonably, reasonably available co- and cost childcare. And so the YMCA provides that. It provides that locally to our small businesses. So it's really about a, a direct infusion. It's a charitable giving opportunity, but it's a direct infusion of money into our community that will directly benefit our small businesses. When I was uh, on the dispatch committee, when I was a town commissioner in Cornelius a while ago, (laughs) uh, a couple decades ago, one of the women that worked in the police department, the only reason that she could work in the police department and kind of the the quirky shift that she worked is because her kids were able to go to the YMCA YMCA after school care program. So again, it's it's not just about uh, particular small businesses that don't affect us. It's about our public service workers. And we talk about how it's hard to afford to live in the area. It's even harder to find that child care. So it benefits every single one of us. Yeah, we hope to have this uh, t- uh, Tuesday, November 14th. And, and because of so many things the chamber was, is doing, I mentioned we had the candidate forums and the public safety luncheon and um, the, 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 um, the expo that we just did, the golf tournament coming up. We, we just simply ran out of resources to be able to pull something together in November. So we're, we're going to host it, but it's probably going to be the first quarter of, of 2024. So that's coming around. Um, I want to talk. I want to go back to a program we had last night, Charles. We had something called Leaders and Legends. Uh, share with what is that program that we've created? Um, Leaders and Legends is a division of the chamber. I guess I would call it. It's really designed for the entrepreneur uh, member, not not the member who might work for one of the large banks or um, you know larger corporation. Um, it's for the guy who is res- or lower lady who is responsible for the payroll and has um, all that re- all that weight on their shoulders, so to speak. So this is an environment where they can have frank conversations with other business leaders, go to an event. It's not networking type where you, I mean, nothing against networking. It's helped make my business. But in some cases, you want to go and talk about why you feel like you've you, you need to sell the business and, and, and or you've got partnership issues or you've got whatever, HR issues. But you can't have that conversation in a networking type event where someone's trying to sell you their service or product. So it's a smaller group, um, and we do um, anywhere from four to six events a year. We bring in speakers. Last night we had the pl- privilege of listening to the founders of Clean Juice. Um, we've had lots of really impactful folks and to talk to the group. It's really beneficial. You know, Charles, I'm not an entrepreneur, uh, I, I, but I'm amazed at hearing your stories. And, and the last program we had, uh, the group went around the room and talked about maybe some of their missed opportunities or regrets. And Charles, uh, something that you said, uh, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and paraphrase, you said, one of my regrets is uh, I was young, I looked around the room, and I thought everybody was smarter than me, and so maybe I didn't do some of the things that I probably should have. Some of the, you know, you didn't take the risk that you, you probably could have taken. What would you say to somebody like Bailey that's coming up, or any of our other young professionals and young entrepreneurs? What advice would you give them? 
take that leap. Absolutely take that leap because um, you, you'll regret it if you don't. Um, and also surround yourself with, with trusted advisors. It's a lot easier to get through the tough times if you've got people who've also gone through those tough times to talk, talk with you. I mean, the whole Leaders and Legends sort of started as an offshoot of, of other organizations that some of us have been members of, Vistage and Young Entrepreneurs Organization, Young Presidents Organization, which are similar global-type operations. But we felt like we needed something locally that would offer the same opportunities. And I think that it, it's, you know, <laughs> when you're young, um, to some extent, I was I started my business at 27, and that was crazy. Uh, I'm glad I took that risk, but there's some development deals. In hindsight, I was like, God, I wish I had done that because mm-hmm. I thought about it, but I didn't have the have the guts to pull the trigger. I, I tell you, I, again, I'm amazed at listening to some of y'all's stories, and I just really enjoy going there. Leah, uh, we were just talking before we went to break a while ago that the uh, not going to be a candidate for him in, in Davidson. They pretty much called off their elections. Your cousin, uh, Rusty, is is running unopposed. The five people that are filed for office running unopposed. So provided there's not some huge write-in vote <laughs> against anybody, if they cast their vote, they are elected. Uh, but there is going to be a meet-and-greet this coming Monday, October 30, 5.30 to 7 at the Davidson Village Inn. But I want to go back. You you said it a while ago. You were a Cornelius commissioner. One of the issues on the ballot for people living in Cornelius is a two-year or four-year term. Now, you're a Davidson resident now, but do you have a, a uh, feeling about this two, four-year term deal? It's always been an issue. <laughs> we discussed it 20 years ago. It's... It's really tricky. I understand the importance of staggered boards. Um, whether it's t- the, the two-year versus four-year, here's what I would say without committing to my opinion about which is better. Um, uh, go ahead. It, it, <laughs> it, I would go with four years, honestly, uh-huh. because it it takes experience. You you get onto that board, whatever board it is, there is so much to learn. Yeah. There is so much to experience. And two years, you're, again, and I feel like I was involved when things were simpler. There were a third of the people here that are here now. It didn't cost nearly as much to run. There's a lot of effort that goes into just running for office. And it's, and it's not something that you can just absorb all of the different issues and bring your common sense to it. We need people with common sense, but there is something to be said for the people on the board that have experience. And so that four years would allow everybody to get enough experience to really be able to produce and lead before they have to turn around and think about the next election. Charles, we got less than 30 seconds. Uh, the Knox is like the Kennedy name around here. Yeah, cousin Eddie, uh, I mean, uh, you got your Uncle Eddie, Cousin Gary, Cousin Rusty, Uncle Joe. Uh, when is Charles Knox running? Um, <laughs> it's highly unlikely that I'll be doing that. It's a, it's a, it's tough these days. I've, I admire the folks who commit to it, and I've I've had three uncles be mayor and two cousins be mayor. But I think Leah makes a good point. I think you could also make the argument that if two years is good for legislature, two years is good for commissioner. Well, there you go. You had it. It's Wednesday afternoon. We're talking about our towns on Town Talk on WSIC. We'll see you next week. The new 105.9, 100.7 WSIC, Statesville, W290DK, Mooresville, Lake Norman, North Charlotte.